how it lights my path, how it guides my way. Verse 22, Exodus 15, verse 22, and we'll read to 16 and verse 7. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. So the people grumbled at Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Then he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree, and he threw it into the waters, and the waters became sweet. There he made for them a statute and regulation, and there he tested them. And he said, If you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have put on the Egyptians. For I, the Lord, am your healer. Then they came to Elim, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 date palms, and they camped there beside the waters." Then they set out from Elim, and all the congregation of the sons of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elim and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after their departure from the land of Egypt. The whole congregation of the sons of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The sons of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the Lord's hand in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether or not they will walk in my instruction." On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the sons of Israel, At evening you will know that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord, for he hears your grumblings against the Lord. And what are we that you grumble against us? And we'll leave it there. Shall we pray? for faith as she comes to share. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you so much for faith. We thank you, Lord, for the word that you have been stirring in her heart, Lord. We pray now for a filling of your spirit as she shares it with us. We pray that your spirit will be at work, that you'll give us ears to hear what you're saying to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Wow. I was thinking, um, before we came along this morning, as I was thinking about this passage that we've had read and that we're going to be thinking about, I was, is this on? I suppose it is, yes. Oh, it is now. Okay, thanks. I was thinking that all the previous weeks we've been hearing about the amazing way God delivered 
the Israelites out of Egypt. Do you remember? Because they, they, they were in Egypt, and over the years, they had become made into slaves, and they were persecuted, they were treated badly, and they were very miserable, crying out to God. And God, you remember, raised up Moses to let, lead the people out. And we saw of these previous weeks the miracles that happened to get them out and free. And they went through the Red Sea, you remember? And then we, we got to the part now where they're just beyond the Red Sea and they're starting to go where God told them to go. He said he got a, a, a place for them in Canaan and they should head for that And that once they'd come through the Red Sea. So they were doing all that. And one of the things I was thinking when I read the passage was I was also reading the verses just before it because they are so wonderful. They're the song of Moses and the song of Miriam that they sang as a celebration when the Israelites had come through the Red Sea. And it's so full of joy. Even just, if I just read you the last couple of verses of the song of Miriam, then Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took the timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and dances. Some of our folks in the congregation here would do that really well, don't you think? And when they came to, uh, sorry, where am I? And all the women went out after her with timbrels and dances, and, Mo and Miriam answered them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea, because the Egyptians had come after the Israelites and wanted to kill them, but they, the sea rolled back over them. So we have this wonderful story, and then you, you notice that it goes straight into this next story. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and then they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And when they came to Marah, they couldn't drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah, which means bitter. Okay. Well, what I wanted to say, well, I think I have, yes, I just remembered I did do a, a well, I didn't do it, actually. Uh, Debbie did it for me, I think, but... Um, but I've got a PowerPoint. Let me just let me just get the first point on the prayer on the PowerPoint, if you can. The the first one is a bitter crisis. Let's hold on that for the moment. Okay, they came to a crisis, and I thought, you know, the picture of the Israelites going through the Red Sea is a picture of we often use it as a picture of baptism, because we have come out of our old life when we're baptized by immersion as. Most of you have been, and some of you will be. Um, they will, it's a, an incredible experience of thinking, yes, Lord, when I go under the water, my old life has rolled away, that the things that were just fleshly, they may not have been very evil, but they were not godly. And so now we come up out of the water. Now we've got a whole new life with the Lord. We can live with his spirit within us. We can keep receiving the spirit of Jesus, which is how the Lord wants us to live. So the, the Israelites had come through all that, and now they set off in the wilderness because they know they're going towards the promised land that the Lord had told, him. He, uh, told them that he'd reserved for them. So they're going off into the wilderness. They go three days, and they haven't found water. Now, I imagine they'd got some water with them in some containers or other, um, but they wouldn't have been able to make it last for very long. So they came, they must have seen in the distance a kind of oasis where they could see some trees and water, and they headed for that. And then, as you know, as the story went, 
that they got there and they were trying to drink the water, but the water was very bitter. It was undrinkable. We don't know what caused that. It could have been stuff that came into the water from the, the foliage around or just from the land, but whatever. It was, it was not drinkable water. And you can imagine the huge dismay. The, the, I imagine that, that that kind of joy that they still felt from having celebrated with Miriam uh, coming out of the Red Sea. Now they come across the wilderness and they've reached a place where it's only bitterness. And I was thinking that it's so easy for us to find in our lives, isn't it, that we, we obviously, most of the time, we believe the Lord is, well, we know the Lord is with us, but maybe we're experiencing it a lot of the time. We can come here, we can rejoice, we can worship. But then sometimes we, we come into a season in our lives, maybe just a short season, when it's a bitter season. I don't mean necessarily that you feel bitter. I mean that the actual circumstances are bitter, that they are not nice, not life-giving, not joy-giving, but just very difficult. I don't know if anybody feels that they're in that place today. I'm not sure if any of us would feel that today. But very often we do have these days, don't we? We have days when we can feel totally uh, bereft of comfort. Is that right? Maybe it isn't true for you. Maybe it's true for somebody that you know. Because obviously we know what happened when the Israelites found that they couldn't drink the water and they were very thirsty. And so we told in verse 24, the people complained against Moses saying, what shall we drink? I think the complaints is my next point here. I have three points from this first bit. One is there's a bitter crisis that they've in, engaged with, they've experienced, and then they have bitter complaints because they turn on Moses. After all, he was their leader. He brought them out. He'd assured them that God had got a place for them and that therefore they should head towards that. And then they came to this place where they couldn't drink the water. And I was just thinking how often when, we, when things are difficult for us, we start to turn against people, even people who have nothing but our best good in their minds. Isn't that true? So often people turn against the very people who want to help or pray for them, or as Moses was, lead them. And I think that's true too. It may be just because the pressure of the bitterness does that. It reminds me of someone we had a, who was on a training program with us a few years ago now, quite a few years back. Um, and um, I can remember that he preached in one of the congregations as he was invited. And it, it was, I, I wasn't there, but it was a, apparently a really good preach, emphasizing the work of the Holy Spirit in, his li in our lives and who we were. And then, but as people came forward for prayer, most people came forward for prayer um, and were really joyful. But some guy came forward who was pretty angry because... Basically, I guess, because he didn't feel that it had met his needs. I don't know exactly what, but, but apparently he really was aggressive and horrible to the preacher um, and um, just said, you know, it was absolutely useless and it was nothing. To, he just dismissed it all and then stormed out. And uh, what actually happened was later in the afternoon, uh, because this is one of our people we're training, he he had my number. He called me, the guy who'd done all that, who'd been really angry and aggressive and complaining, and he asked me whether it'd be possible to contact 
the preacher because he felt absolutely ashamed of himself. You know, sometimes that happens, doesn't it? We say things which we regret, and he was definitely regretting it, and he wanted, he wanted to know whether he could speak to this person. Well, um, it, because the person was, was uh, there, I think, at Ictha's house at the time, anyway, he did contact him, but the, the guy didn't want to speak to him. And so I heard that back from this preacher, uh, from, not from the preacher, from the guy who'd been angry. And so um, I, the following day, I went to see the guy, the preacher guy, the, the trainee, and just said, you know, I think it would be really good to meet him. He's obviously very repentant because he's told me that I wasn't even there. But um, I said, but it would be good just to forgive him and uh, let's go forward. And um, anyway, but this guy wouldn't. He said he would think about it, but he refused to get in touch with this person. Because what he said was, you know, he was really horrible. I don't want to talk to him again. Now, the reason I'm telling you that is this is somebody who was learning how to be a pastor <laughs> or how to be, um, yes, how to lead in church. And uh, we, did we did go forward on that, and I think things got better. But I'm just saying, I understand it, but... Have you ever had somebody that you want to be gracious to, you want to pray for and help, who's turned on you a bit? Have you ever had that? Because it can then for, cause more bitterness, can't it? It was a bitter complaint. The people turned on Moses. Um, and Moses hadn't known about the, the state of the water until he got there. But you know that Moses did what was right. And I really am just sharing that bit because I think many of us are in forms of leadership or we have a lot of influence over our colleagues, our friends, our people in the congregation. And if we find that somebody is going through this bitter thing, what should we do? Well, Moses shows us in this, doesn't he, what we should do. We're just told that Moses cried out to the Lord. He didn't shout back at the guys who were complaining at him. He cried out to the Lord, and he just began to pray for that situation. I'm sure that many of you, many particularly house group leaders and people who, who pray for your friends have done similar things when, when you know that a friend is going through a really difficult time. You've prayed for them. You've lifted them to the Lord. Let's believe in that, and let's continue to practice it as a congregation for people we encounter, maybe out in the, in the, in the community. In the early years of Ichthus, we, um, well, for quite a number of years, actually, we had a, a program called Jesus Action. Some of you will remember it, but it was offering practical help to people in need in the community. Um, and um, what actually happened was I was the person whose phone number was given, and any, we gave out cards in the community, and if a person had a particular need, not... Uh, I think we did specify some things. I can't remember what they were now. But anyway, people would ring me um, and ask for help. It was said, it was called Jesus Action to make it plain that we were people who wanted to bring Jesus into it. But anyway, I remember the one time that I had a phone call from, uh, she was a youngish woman, probably in her 30s, and, and um, she, I, she came on the phone and she said, is that Jesus Action? And I said, yes, that's right. How can we help you? I want the action, but I don't want the Jesus, she said very strongly. 
And I said, okay, that's fine. And she said, I don't want anyone coming around here and ramming religion down my throat. So I said, I can promise you no one will come around and ram religion down your throat. Is there anything we can do to help you? And then she told me that she'd, she'd been ill, she'd come out of hospital, she'd got a son in school, she'd got loads of washing, she, just, she was in a complete... Um, low place, just didn't know what to do. And I said, okay, I'll come myself. Um, expect me in about half an hour. So um, so I drove to her place, her flat, and, and went in. And of course, she was quite aggressive at first because she was very, very... She'd had a really bad time. She obviously... She was a single parent, and she was troubled about her son at school, and she got to go and get him. I ended up, in the end... Um, helping her pack the dirty washing up, taking it to the supermarket, um, getting all that done, bringing her home, and then bringing her back to pick up her son from school. And then we, we uh, got back in, and then she's, I said, OK, are you feeling OK now? Can you do it? Then she said, yes, that's fine, that's fine. So I said, OK. And I was about to go, and she said, please don't go. Have a cup of tea with me. So I said, okay. So I stopped to have a cup of something. Might have been tea. Um, anyway, and um, as she talked, she suddenly, I said to her then, she said to me, now, come on, tell me, what is it you want to say about Jesus? And I said, I don't want to say anything because I promised you that I would not come around here pressing religion down your throat. And so she said, no, no, but I know you'd like to talk about him. <laughs> and she said, so... So please do. Yes, I'm not going to say that anymore. You can say whatever. And so I just talked to her about the love of Jesus and how she could pray and ask for his help. Now, eventually, she told me that she actually had come from a Christian home. And she'd, uh, she'd gone a bit wild in her teen years. And she'd fallen out with her parents. And she'd left home. And now she was... But she, it was all coming back on her. Because that happens, doesn't it? Sometimes the things, the decisions we make... the the behavior of the past can come back and pressure us. So she was now suffering depression, and she got a child. And um, anyway, I just prayed with her. Um, and um, I said, do you ever contact your parents? And she said, no, never. We don't have any contact now. And anyway, I said, you know, they may not be so hostile as you obviously think they will be but let me pray for you. So I prayed for her, went home, and I continued. I pr prayed for her and kept in touch for, uh, for every day or two for the next few days. And then one time she phoned me and she said, I'm, I'm back with my parents. <laughs> I said, what? And the story was that she did contact her parents. She told them her story. She wept, and they invited her to come back and live at home with them with her son. And that's what she was doing. Now, we kept in touch for just a little while. But what, I was, what I'm saying is, I think that there are people out there in this neighborhood, as well as amongst us, that probably do go through days of bitterness. Sometimes bitter things come from bad decisions in the past, don't they? They come from things that we've done or thought about. Uh, the other day, I spotted on the shelf, I was tidying up some books, and I, I saw a book that, as far as I was aware, I hadn't read, picked it up, because it was about uh, somebody's testimony of healing from severe mental illness. And um, anyway, it, it, long story short, we actually knew this uh, woman who'd written the book. She'd written it many years ago, and she'd actually sent a copy to Roger um, to thank him, because he first introduced her to the person who who became the, the person who counseled her in the end. But whatever, 
I'm just saying I hadn't read it, you see. So I was reading it now, but it was a long, long while ago it was written. But it's a story of how she was quite severely ill. She would sometimes be absolutely fine, no problems at all, and then this, this psychiatric thing would come upon her and she would become quite severely mentally ill, have to, have to stop work. She, she was capable of doing a very good work. She had, obviously, leadership gifts, but she, she couldn't hold it because this thing would come over her. Anyway... I haven't absolutely read the whole books. It's quite, it's quite. Um, when I say dense, I mean it's quite wordy. But it does tell the story of how she found um, the Lord through. Uh, it was a couple that we knew who um, offered to minister to her. In fact, they ended up ministering for several years, not every day or every week or anything, because she sometimes went uh, abroad. She actually went to the states for a while and um, got prayed for by the Anaheim ministry, if you know them. Uh, where, where, um, yeah, I can't remember what I'm saying there. But anyway, they, she was prayed for by a team there. But what she says is that what happened was she had buried lots of things. She, she found a lot of help at first, but then it would all come back. And she, what they discovered in the end was that she had buried stuff, A, from her own life, B, that she had had an awful experience as a child, Aware of abuse, she'd been abused, but it was a relative, and she'd buried it down, and she was young at the time. Um, so that came out, and other things came out about family as well. And gradually, as the Lord brought to light different things that had actually caused this, she um, she was able to release it to God. So the whole story is of her releasing it to God, and it made me think. I I, I was just looking at it because I picked it off the shelf, but. As I was preparing for today, I thought, it's so, it's so much that we can find some bitter things come up in our lives. And the Lord does want to heal them. He does want to be with us. He wants to help us. And this, this young woman found enormous help. But here, how did, how did Moses react to the, the cries, the complaints of the people? Well, we have it here, don't we? He called on the Lord. He cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And when, when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. It's not a... It, I'm by no means the first person. I'm sure people have been saying this for, for decades or, or, or centuries. But this picture is definitely a picture of the cross of Jesus. It's called the tree of Calvary. And in here, where we see God shows Moses a tree, we don't know exactly how he showed it. Did he just fix his eyes on it and think God was saying to him, throw that into the water? But he threw the tree into the water. Some people have speculated, translators and people, and um, have said, oh, well, it may have been that the tree itself held, um, held uh, aspects in it that would deal with the the stuff that was causing the pollution of bitterness. It may have been that. But whatever it was, it may have been purely spiritual because the Lord told Moses to put it in the water. And when he did, it changed the water and the water became drinkable. It became sweet, if you like. Probably wasn't literally sweet, but it was drinkable. It took away all the bitterness. And I thought... I, again, Moses had quite a tough time, didn't he, really, in leadership? And um, if anybody aspires to be a leader, you need to know that you will go through lots of tough times because these, this is what happens when the enemy 
comes in, isn't it? He tries to oppress. And so I thought Moses must have felt so dismayed when having had all the huge emotional trauma, if you like, of going through the Red Sea, leading the people, and then taking them through the wilderness, telling, assuring them that they were on their way to the promised land, and then all of a sudden they hit this place that was bitter, and they, it was a bitter experience. So, and then the people turning on him. Of course, it wasn't the first time. I expect he got used to it after a while, because as we read on in Exodus, we will see quite a lot of times when they turned on Moses, the people, because... It's so easy, isn't it, to blame people if something's going wrong in your life. But here we see that when Moses cried to the Lord, he showed him his tree. And it, I just felt, again, so much that when we have a pressure in our life that's brought bitterness or sadness or pain or breaking of relationship with others, whatever it is, we can turn and look to the cross I believe that absolutely. Jesus bore in his own body on the tree. He bore our sicknesses, our diseases, our pains, and he released life. And we can receive from him life. We can receive from him healing for those things which have oppressed us, which have distressed us, which are causing sickness or whatever. So there, there, is, there was healing in the very process of that. And we know that then that Moses then said to them, well, actually, um, yes, it's not very clear in the text whether it's the Lord saying it to them directly or whether Moses did. But anyway, God told Moses, so it may have been Moses that shared this regulation for them. And there God tested them and said, if you diligently seek the if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord, your healer. I am the Lord, your healer. And then they came to Elim where there were 12 wells of water and 20 palm trees. And so they camped in the waters, camped by the waters, sorry. They camped there by the waters. Can't read my small text. Okay, well, what are we saying? Well, the Lord did answer them. They have water to drink. And then Moses said to them, okay, now you need to keep staying close to the Lord because he has promised to be your healer if you will stay close to him. The problem is, so often, uh, it happens a lot with people who are not yet Christians, but maybe God does something wonderful for them. Sometimes you find those people will really seek God uh, earnestly, continually, and become very committed Christians. Other people just think, oh, that's great, you know, glad I got that healing, or whatever it was, and then they just go on. But the Lord is saying, if you want to stay in that flow of life, if you want to stay in the sweet waters, then stay by me. Keep listening to me. Keep opening your heart to my word, to, your tr to my truth, to fellowship with one another, which is what we're here doing this morning. So I think I've got my, best, my second sheet here. Hopefully, here it is. The cross was revealed. I've mentioned that to you already. And the crisis was transformed. I love that picture that Debbie's fountain somewhere of the cross in the waters. It was a picture in the Old Testament of the cross of Jesus. And then the covenant was sealed. That was, the covenant was what 
God was saying to them, look, if you walk with me, if you listen to me, if you do my commandments, then I will put on you, I will not allow you, is really what he's saying, to become desperately sick as the Egyptians are. Now, when I say that, some people will say, but Christians do get sick. Yes, we definitely do at times get sick. People get sick. But I believe we should lay hold on the truth here and, and trust God. You, most of you know we've seen, we've seen some miraculous healings. Now, we never make a big thing of those in themselves because we don't want people to think, oh, it's just easy, or you just go, well, that person prays for you and you're there. But I, it was a very deep experience for us when our son, when he was 15 and a half, was found to have cancer, which they told us had gone right through his body and that he would only live two to three months. Whatever they did, they were going to give him chemo, of course. But, um, and, but the Lord really spoke to us. I can't tell you how close the Lord was. I can remember we came home from the hospital where all this news had been broken to us. He was in Guy's Hospital. We came home, and Roger and I just, without even speaking to each other, we just got down on our knees. And then together we said, Lord, Lord, you gave your son Jesus. We're asking you now for our son that he may be healed. Lord, you rescued the, the firstborn. Lord, we ask of, of, of the Israelites. Now, Lord, we're asking you to rescue our firstborn. That's all we could say. We just put it into the hands of the Lord, and we just kept praying and listening to God. I can remember many times um, just coming back, sometimes because we only had one car. If Roger had the car, I would be walking to the shops and getting shopping. I can remember walking back one day from the shops, and I was just singing all the way home, singing songs of, of grace and goodness and the Lord's response. Now, we didn't know for a little while that our son was healed, and in fact, the doctors couldn't believe it at first, so they... A, wouldn't even tell us, but B, kept trying to find out through tests what had happened because his cancer just was just going out of his body. Praise God. He has been a very faithful God. Now, I don't say that happens all the time, although we did see the following year we saw a woman again miraculously healed in a very similar way. The doctors had given her up totally. In fact, finally, they sent her home saying they'd done everything they could and she, uh, they couldn't do any more and she would die. When she first came in touch with us, it's because she'd heard our son, Chris, who the year before had been in that place, and he was with Roger in a meeting, and he gave a testimony of how God had healed him. So she came up to him at the end and said, how did you get healed? Because she said, I, she was a young married woman, and she said, I have three children under the age of five, and she said, um, I just want to see them go to school. Is that too much to ask? They're telling me I will not live any more than a few months. So um, anyway, what he did, as good sons always do, he gave her my telephone number and said, call my mother. And then he said to me, please, mother, take this up. I felt for this woman so much. She lived um, sort of Portsmouth area, I think it was, Southampton, Portsmouth, anyway. Um, and... Um, so we began, we began a telephone thing, and we were regularly on the phone, probably every day or every other day, where I went into the different things that God has shown us. Let's open our hearts to the Lord. Let's, let's see what God is saying first, because I felt the Lord say to me at the beginning, there's not going to be an instant healing here. 
uh, you know, just overnight. It was for our son, actually, amazingly. But, uh, and somebody did come in and pray for him, by the way, I should say, a lovely guy who was visiting YWAM. Long story, I won't go into all of it. But this woman, but, and so I said to her, what do you feel God is saying to you? And she paused for a moment and she said, well, I'm not going to die. So I said, and when she said it, a little leap went in my spirit. So I said, do you know something? My heart leapt when you said that, and I'm in agreement with you. So that's where my agreement is going at the moment. I don't know when you'll be healed. I don't know how it will be, but at the moment, I'm putting my feet down on, you're not going to die. And that's what we held to all that time. And the Lord did wonderfully heal her. I won't go into all that, so I think I'm taking too long here. So... Why do I say that? Because he is a healer, and we need to get close to him, don't we, to hear what he's saying and what he wants to do. Because it may be that God wants an instant healing. It may be he wants to use other healing methods. What I loved about this bit here, I am the Lord your healer, is the word heal there, the healer, is uh, the word for heal is repair. So he is the Lord your repairer. It was a word that was used for repairing and sometimes used for somebody, you know, like sewing up a torn piece of cloth because they were repairing it. And in fact, um, this, uh, this woman that, whose story I was reading, she, I knew this already, but she mentioned that, um, that it could be like somebody sewing up a piece of cloth. And she said, I looked at my life and thought there'd been lots of tears in the cloth of my life before I ever came to, to know Jesus Christ. Um, but he became the repairer. He began to sew them up, to sew me together and to bring, because she was quite seriously affected at times in her mind. So it was, she felt she had a lot of mental health healing, but also God had just healed her with his presence. So the Lord, our repairer, the Lord, our healer. I wonder if, you know, it's interesting in the stories in Exodus, because there are so many wonderful things God does. And we'll be looking at those as the weeks go on. But I love this one because it started off in the place that was bitter, but it ended up in the place of joy and peace. Um, here we are, I am the Lord, your repairer. And it ended up with them going forward. I love the fact, isn't God so kind? When they came out of that place that had been so bitter and so miserable and no water to drink at first, they then went on, and the next place they came to was Elim that had, let me think, 12 wells and 70 palm trees. So that's quite a place to camp, isn't it? Well, you've got all that around you. So God, it was like God said, okay, I know you had a really tough time. I'm going to really help you and bless you, and you will find my presence. Not that everything will go smoothly. As we read Exodus, we'll discover it didn't go smoothly ever after, and it wasn't smooth for Moses. But there was the presence of the Lord there, and they have found him. And that's what I pray we may all do, so we don't get in the place where we just react in a worldly way to every kind of thing that might go wrong around us or in us, but that we lay hold of him. I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, Lord, I thank you for the power of your cross. I thank you, Lord, for the way the Israelites were begun to be learning that when they had the Passover meal. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us 
to reg I'm going to pause for a minute because I had felt I wanted to say it's a good thing to regularly break bread, you know, have a breaking of bread. Now we have it in the congregations. If you're a member of the prayer community and if you if you'd like to be, then speak to Debbie afterwards or to me. But we 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 break bread every week there now together at the beginning because it helps to bring that sense of community of community and agreement. But anyway, whenever we do it, let's remember the Lord's death because that's where he accomplished so much spiritually. So, Lord, I do pray for every one of my brothers and sisters here, Lord. I thank you you are for us. I thank you that even in the bitter circumstances of life, you move in, Lord. Your beauty and your glory is seen. I thank you, Lord, for how that passage goes on and, and the people witness the glory of the Lord because you have answered their prayers. And, Lord, I pray that your beautiful spirit will shine forth and we may see your glory, Lord, more and more in our lives. We give ourselves to you, Lord. Whatever our circumstances, we thank you that you're a faithful and loving God. Be with each one of us, I pray, Lord. May every one of us experience that turning of bitter water into sweet. Help us to keep your commandments, Lord. Help us to be unashamed to live for you in this world. We give ourselves to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Let your living word abide in me so richly as I abide in you. Let your living